2: As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was Boston College beating Syracuse. The other night, Syracuse, of course, was undefeated. 25-0 uh, and and Boston College with uh, <laughs> a losing record, went into the Carrier Dome of all places and uh, beat the number one undefeated team in the country. It was just an epic event. Uh, I tuned in, uh, I was monitoring it throughout and then tuned in uh, midway through the second half uh, and it was just fabulous theater uh, and Boston College. Living up here in the Boston area, it's amazing how they are ba- basically giant killers. How they just seem to rise up about every five years and literally, literally, shock the country. Of course, among the most famous of all time is the uh, when they beat number one Notre Dame on David Gordon's field goal at the at the gun uh, years ago, but. Again, there's just be it basketball or football. There is, uh, they obviously have a history of fielding quality teams and having quality players. A lot of VC guys, uh, sprinkled throughout the NFL and to a degree the NBA. And, uh, but you know, it's really fun, uh, being up here in Boston because you just need to, uh, you you have to tune in when they're playing these marquee opponents because, again, the track record is unmistakable. Uh, again, one of the great college programs ever for simply pulling these stunning, shocking upsets, and none more so than what they did up at the Carrier Dome the other night. Uh, they are the first team since 1955 To go in and beat a number one undefeated team on the road. And uh, I believe I heard where they have the worst record ever in the history of college basketball uh, to go in and beat again a number one team at their place. So, uh, just a fascinating story, just a great ending. Sidelight to the whole thing was BC's. Uh, one of the sports information director, one of the media relations people, Dick Kelly, well-known throughout Boston, uh, has ALS, and he recently uh, died from ALS. And it's been a big story around here for a while. And uh, so everybody... uh, And and again, his death was very recent within the last couple of weeks. So uh, BC was playing... Uh, for him, inspirationally, uh, the inspiration showed, and, uh, all credit, by the way, to, uh, Michael Wilbon from Pardon the Interruption, who earlier in the week, he put it on my radar when I heard him say that, uh, it was looking like a trap game for Syracuse. Syracuse, uh, you know, I watched that pit game where they won on the miraculous 40-footer by freshman Tyler Ennis. And they beat NC State just hanging on by their fingernails at the very end. So you could almost see it coming, but a loss, but not a loss to Boston College. So great stuff. Uh, As all you listeners know, you know, I went into the Florida State-BC game in October for this very reason. This is exactly why, because I realized when, at that point, the number one team in the country whatever is coming in that, you know, B.C. is always, and I mean always, capable of pulling an upset, no matter who it is, no matter where it is, uh, in either basketball or football. Therefore, uh, that's why I went in that day, just to see if they were going to upset the number one team in the country. They didn't, but they gave them the best game they had all year uh, uh, until Florida State had that great national championship game with Auburn. Well, my low light of the week, not surprisingly, is the USA women's Hockey team giving up a two goal lead with three and a half minutes to go yesterday and losing to Canada, thereby losing the gold medal, and just about as heartbreaking a loss as you could ever, ever imagine. In hockey terms, the only thing I can even uh, think of as being close was, you know, fairly recently when the Bruins came back. In Game Seven, at home, against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, to win that game, and that 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 they tied it, then they won it. Uh, three go- down, they were down three goals, eleven minutes to go, uh, in the third period. Uh, but this one was every bit as shocking. This was the Olympic version of that game. Uh, absolutely stunning. It leads right into my bizarre story of the week, which was uh, with the Americans having a 2-1 lead. In other words, they were ahead 2-0 with three and a half minutes to go. Canada scores two 2-1. A minute or so later, uh, the puck came out of the off the boards, off a linesman, uh, and just trickled down the ice. And it was looking, not looking, it it was looking like that's it. It, Because then the Americans win the gold medal. They probably win the game three to one. That's it. And it just went down. And it was like if ever there was a slow motion moment in sports, this was it. And uh, tantalizing, to say the least. And it just hit the left goalpost, And that was it bounced off. The Canadian just coolly picked it up, took it right back up uh, up ice, and literally moments later, Canada scored the tying goal. So that's how close it was. That's how crazy it was. That's how close they came. Uh, really, one of the better sports events uh, you could ever hope to see. I mean, it was riveting. Um, I was at a local restaurant, and it was crowded, and everybody was Completely, totally glued, and you've never heard a uh, to the game, and you've never heard a more collective sigh than uh, than when Canada scored the overtime goal to win it. Uh, All of it, just again, unbelievable emotion and theater. Um, You know, watch it right through to the end to the presentation of gold medals right through to the Canadian National Anthem, the presentation of the silver medal to the Americans. And really just sort of an all-time heartbreak. Uh, so, just uh, memorable, to say the least. And uh, by the way, as we speak, USA-Canada men's hockey semifinal is occurring. Canada has a one nothing lead. Uh, with about eight minutes left in the second period, so uh, something tells me that's going to be a fabulous ending as well uh, here in the next hour and a half or so. So, as my former co-host, LeMont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
3: Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.com. If you think you've seen online TV before... Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, Blackberry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling one 888 346 9144 That's one 888 346 9144 Or by
2: sending an email to
1: IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host John Inglesby. To join the show, the the call in number is one eight eight eight. Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at net. and it's that time of the show when we typically have guests and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, expert. In AP Stat of Obama Magazine and AP how are you doing today?
4: Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John. Uh, glad to be here and sitting inside and not outside with this gloomy weather. It's kind of raining a little bit and cold and just it's just kind of nasty.
2: Well, I know. It's just the brutal winter of 2013-14, but really 14 continues. Uh, Today's as bad as it gets. You know, here they said it was going to be a little damp, but uh, probably in the 50s, which is in this winter acceptable, but it feels like it's 20 out, and it is more than damp. It's just raw, (laughs) and after we had a nice day yesterday, but the cold returns next week, and I'll tell you, it's just, it's tough to take. It really is. Uh, you, you know, it's just been, again, snowstorms and cold. And when it's not cold, it's raw. So uh, it, it's, it, again, yeah. I'm glad to be inside like you, AP, but it, it, it's just getting really, uh, really old, really tired at this point.
4: Yeah, the term long winter really is appropriate this season.
2: Yeah, you know, it feels like we said. It just feels like one of the worst ever. I I think it is. You you know, uh, you know, what did I? I guess our back-to-back snowstorms last week. uh, You know, two in three days. uh, It's the you know. There's always a first every winter. There's some weird first. It seems except about two two years ago we had that one mild winter. Other than that, there's some goofy record set every year, and the one this year was last week Thursday Sunday was like the two worst storms within 72 hours I- ever.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right some some high water mark that you'd rather
2: not see occur. Exactly. Well, one of the thankfully, not that I'm glued, but uh helping helping me get through this, you know, harsh winter and in particular the past 2 weeks uh, a little bit, you know, has been the uh you know, the winter olympics uh Again, I'm not riveted or, or glued, but it's sort of a, nice to know I can go at any moment during a two-week period, you know, channel surf right over to some Olympic event. And right now we have potentially the number one Olympic event of the entire Winter Olympics occurring as we speak, which obviously is the USA-Canada men's semifinal. I keep, I'm tempted to say gold medal match, but we're not there yet. <laughs> this is the game everybody's been waiting four years for
4: yeah those those teams of they all know each other and compete during the n h l hockey season, and the two countries are border each other, so there's a lot of pride for North America in general in this game
2: yeah, every single player is in the n h l every single player on both teams is in the n h l uh, which is pretty amazing, in contrast to the other day I found myself watching the uh, Latvia game uh, Canada Latvia, and it was just absolutely spectacular. Canada was lucky to win it, and of course you know it 's just you recognize every single name for Canada and Latvia, including especially the goaltender, was just off the charts didn 't recognize really any of the names uh, it was a fascinating story while watching the game. They talked about how Latvia, you know, made it by beating, you know, a couple of small countries in some tournament. And, uh but yeah, it was just like a, a fascinating, you know, uh every name, a household name for Canada, Latvia full of no names, lucky to make the Olympics at all and very nearly beat Canada. Um, didn't happen. And, you know, it's always fun to watch an upset when it's occurring, but at the minute it like sort of in March Madness, but the minute it occurs, then you realize that, like, the team that pulled the upset, in this case, Latvia, you know, instead of getting the Canada-USA game that we've been waiting four years for, we would have had U.S.-Latvia, and I don't think anybody <laughs> would be too excited. I don't think we'd be talking about it right now. Put it that way.
4: No, no, but... Uh the beauty of the Olympics, uh, you know, there's there's the room for upset, but also these names and faces emerge from all corners of the earth. And, you know, the uh, television audience gets to see them in all their glory.
2: Yeah, yeah, but uh, exactly. And it really, it's fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, again, it's, uh, but I, I do find that interesting about upsets. I remember a couple of years ago watching Lehigh, a team I know well from covering the Patriot League and being from Pennsylvania when they beat Duke in that epic Friday a- evening game. Right. And uh I remember how exciting it was and loving it and all that and then the next game was like Lehigh against some superpower that everybody <laughs> yeah. was saying like, "Oh, we were waiting for like the Duke whomever game." You know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying about that? It
4: happens yeah, a lot. Yeah. So yeah,
2: you know, I know
4: the next the next game it lets the uh Air out of the sail, and you kind of deflate it because you realize that there's no way Lee I can duplicate that performance. And the other team is quite aware of their uh, prowess, and and they don't take them for light. You know, they don't take them lightly, and then uh, ends up being a, a, a blowout.
2: That's it. Well said, AP. That's why I think so many people have been fascinated recently by. The fact that the Butlers, the VCUs, Florida Gulf Coast, for gosh sakes, <laughs> you know, have been able to win, to pull off more than one upset, because it used to just be, you know, you'd pull off that spectacular upset and then lose the next game and that's it, never to be heard from again. But the trend is changing ever so slightly, but still, uh, I don't know if any of them would have been bigger than, uh, Latvia beating Canada and and ruining the game that uh, uh, I believe more. There are probably more people in North America tuned into the event right now as opposed to our radio show than uh, <laughs> than maybe any event on a Friday afternoon on a weekday afternoon in history, a sports event.
4: Yeah, I think that's a safe bet, John.
2: <laughs> yeah, it could be the highest. So, could be the highest weekday. Sports rating of all time. It wouldn't shock me.
4: No, no, you know? it wouldn't shock me either. Uh, on, a, on a Friday afternoon, and in both of these teams looking for a gold medal, and
2: uh, yeah. best for North America, of right? Exactly, and the highest rating for North America since, obviously, that's Canada and USA. So I, everybody's tuned in, including me. And uh, so, yeah. So rest assured, listeners, I will. Uh, Update you with any scores right now. Again, one nothing, Canada uh, ahead of the U.S. Uh, late in the second period. So, AP, what else has uh, jumped out at you at the Olympics? I talked, of course, about the epic uh, comeback slash gag, if you will, between the U.S. Uh, between the can- Canadian women and U.S. women in the hockey gold medal game yesterday, but. Lots of other sports going on, you know. Uh, anything catching your eye uh, in the Olympics?
4: John, I always have a fascination with watching the the women skaters. And, yes, last night was a, a, another good reason. The uh, South Korean, the defending champion, was upset by a young gal from Russia seventeen of 17 years old. And, of course, she was the hometown favorite, and she it's always amazing how you can perform with all that pressure within those few minutes that you have to take all those practices and the demands of the sport and and, and complete your your um, program so i'm always fascinated by that and then also was interesting was the italian skater she had flopped a couple other times in the olympics but she had a, a turn of events in her in her approach. She kind of was was advised just to enjoy skating for the sport itself, and she she had a, a good run and came in third. So I always I'm always uh, fascinated and and uh, appreciative of, of how beautiful and the, you know and their programs and how graceful and athletic at the same time, and they they combine those two to to uh, entertain the an audience.
2: Well, it is impressive, and I, I, I myself was, you know, tuning into a fair amount of it over the past couple of weeks. I uh, watched Gracie Gold. I, so, obviously, no American medaled uh, in the ladies' figure skating, correct?
4: Yeah, right, that's correct. Yeah, it was uh, Russia, uh, South Korea, and Italy. And, Italy. And uh, some of those were for Italy was the first
2: time. To, to right, medal. right. Yes, yes. And. Uh,
4: and she's the only one yes. I can pronounce, and I think Carolina Costner. <laughs> the Correct. other two, and they should give me, a me
2: Yeah, and I'm actually aware of who she is. I had watched her as well, and uh, yeah, I mean Gracie Gold. She was set up to be, you know, I predicted early on that if she won a medal, especially the gold. She, she would be a household name if she won the gold medal. Oh my and goodness! She has,
4: with that, with she, that uh, handle, uh, it's a natural.
2: It's such a natural, exactly, and and she has the look, as they say, big time. Yes. Yeah. Um. You, you know the, the the skating national championships, of course, were held right here in Boston at the Garden uh, just uh just about a month or so ago. So we uh, you know we got a nice little uh, introduction to all these people. Just uh, you know they went on for really about a week. I mean it, it was pretty cool. You know I did not make it in, but. You know, it was like on the local news every night and stuff like that. And so we I think we had a bit of a better introduction than most. Uh, So, yeah, I I did. I spent a lot of time watching it. And uh, I I know there was even a bit of controversy uh, (laughs) in keeping with figure skating history. (laughs) With last night's scores, a few people felt that, you know, my take on it was that the Russian girl obviously was on Russian ice in Russia, needless to say, but although she skated well and everything, they basically said, you know, the old argument, if you're going to beat the incumbent, i.e. the South Korean gold medal winner from the previous games, the incumbent, you you know, you have to make it clear-cut, and apparently it, it, it felt like it was even or just about as close as it gets, and the fact that they ended up giving it to the Russian newcomer versus the incumbent Korea, Korean South Korean gold medal holder. Of course, all this occurring in Russia, and all the famous jokes about the quote Russian judge that goes back <laughs> decades, as we well know. Uh, it, it all it all added up to minor controversy. Is that accurate? Is that your take on it?
4: Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. John, you described it uh, quite well. And but she had that hometown edge and. Right. It's human nature, John, to uh, to succumb to some of the forces around you sometimes.
2: I, I think it would have almost been disappointing if she didn't win it. Like, you know, what are, what, <laughs> it would be so, uh, you know, not in keeping with the past history of figure skating and, the again, the famous Russian judge mythology, uh, that you know, really, we all grew up with. I mean, it's been around for decades. You know, <laughs> yeah, these you, you mysterious... can see the Russian
4: judge or the erst, uh, East German judge in, in it, swimming exactly. and diving or something, or
2: right. Nobody, uh, nobody understands the scoring, and, I, and that includes the judges themselves. <laughs> yeah. Not exaggerating, a judge that came out this week and actually said that. Did you hear that?
4: Uh, I didn't hear. I didn't see that, John. I didn't hear that.
2: A figure skating judge at the Olympics came out this week and said, <laughs> "I don't understand." The scoring that she does, that she herself does. Right, was, right. So I just thought, you know, it's a classic.
4: That gets everyone off the hook.
2: It, it does. It does. So
4: I don't know. I like. I, I, I it. guess it there was, and also one one uh, member on the panel was from the Ukraine, and she had served a one year suspension from the ninety eight uh, Nagano Olympics. <laughs> she was back on the panel, and I I heard that the panel is is um uh, it's like a blind selection i mean you know something like the nba draft you're just picking them out of a glass
2: bottle there correct correct it's like you know olympic figure skating judging is like you know airplane fees you have no idea how the how people come up with this stuff <laughs> <laughs> really it just you just have no idea it's like we'll all go, we'll all go to our grave without knowing like how this stuff is done behind the scenes anyway
4: you know subjective opinions and uh, one can be as as far away from the other as is, is the like the grand canyon
2: exactly, exactly, well, all in all, I kind of liked it because it just felt like you know there there's at least a hint of sort of the the old cold war still kicking around. <laughs> A little bit, not much, but you know, just seeing Latvia, you know, the whole thing has been interesting. I've, you know, f- watching not only figure skating, but the hockey, you know, the way you just, uh, you're Russia, obviously huge, that they got beat uh, the other day by Finland, who, by the way, lost today to Sweden. So Sweden's in the gold medal game. Uh, Finland, hockey, goalie. Took a Rask did not play today. I guess he was sick, but they had another NHL goaltender that was, you know, that wasn't the reason they lost, but they did lose. Yeah. Sweden and Henrik Lundqvist uh, uh, are in the gold medal game Sunday morning against the winner, obviously, of USA-Canada. But, uh, no, I just found it fascinating with the way Russia you know, the breakup of Russia has created all these teams. And again, I was talking about Latvia. Obviously, these Latvian players would have been part of the greater Russian team as recently as the late 80s. But speaking of that, the USA-Russia match last Saturday morning, that was awesome. To say that TJ Oshie in in Sochi, that was one of the best sports events I've seen in I don't know how long. Uh, yeah, John, it was
4: great. It was almost... Akin to watching an NBA game, you didn't have to turn it on until the last few minutes, and you you captured the, the the drama.
2: That's it. You know, I I was up early Saturday morning and tuned in, and it was sort of backgroundy a little bit, uh, but boy, by, by the end, totally riveted. And you know, I'll, I'll fess up here: I did not know the name T, T. J Oshi. I just didn't, you know. And, and I'm like, wow, who's this guy? I'm surprised <laughs> I don't know this Olympic hockey player for the United States. And, well, we all know the name now, and we'll know it for the rest of our lives. What he did in that penalty shootout was incredible. And it was just, as they kept picking him and picking him for the next shot, I kept saying to myself, like, why do they keep picking this guy until finally they said, you know, this is his specialty. This is the thing he does better probably than anybody, you know, in the United States, period. Shoot penalty shots.
4: Yeah, it's like the the smart football coach who has that extra kick, kicker, long distance kicker on the roster or something. Somebody was bingo was uh, had some
2: vision. A super specialist, exactly. Uh, super super specialist. Anyway, lots more to talk about. Uh, the Olympics have been great, but the, yeah, that that was again as fascinating a saturday morning for viewing you know and i and have as i referenced last friday i talked about the game in advance advance i said it was appointment viewing reminds me of you know be at the british open or wimbledon you know these saturday morning events uh where everybody's watching i i just enjoy it immensely uh so it reminds me by the way that well, we'll talk about that on the way back. I'll tell you what that watching that game reminded me of and something to look forward to down the road, but we'll talk about that after the break.
0: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
2: Eight 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 three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at net. and on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert AP Stedham of Bama Magazine and AP, I was saying at the end of the previous segment how much I enjoy great sports events on an occasional weekend morning and something I've been meaning to mention on the show for last number of weeks is the NFL announced That they are going to have a game live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time from London this October. I believe it's October 26th. Uh, And I just, when I read it, I just thought to myself, you know, I love it. Classic NFL. I mean, just when you, you start to think, not that you really should think it, but just when you start to think, like, what more can they do? They come up with this. And I've been to California. I've watched NFL on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., and it's, just, it's really nothing quite like it. Um, so, what do you think? I, I, I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be the thing that takes this international series to the next level. The the London games that the NFL is now in year four, I believe.
4: Yeah, I think this is going to be good for the shoppers um, on Sunday. All the wives will get a chance to leave the house before 9:30.
2: There you go. I like it, AP. (laughs) Yeah. Again, when I did it, first time I ever did it, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was in Carmel, California, and, and, you know, woke up that Sunday morning and, you know, turned on the TV. There was an NFL game on, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And, it, yes, it it made my whole day, and I just think that, uh, you know, number one, they've been... I wrote about this for Financial Times of London in two thousand nine and I believe the second year they had it. So the NFL really sees is committed to these London games, their international strategy, and I got the feeling, you know, that now that the novelty has worn off and I watch like the Steelers Viking games this year, that and, and of course in London themselves at Wembley Stadium, these games are at night. While we're right. watching it one in the afternoon, that's happening over there at whatever six seven at night. Right. I got the feeling by having you know one having a game at uh, nine thirty in the morning that it's going to uh, this could be the thing that you know separates the international series and and maybe begins you know to really grow it to the NFL's liking finally.
4: Yeah, this might be the preemptive. Move to maybe have a team over there, John, to just kind of yep. gradually ease into the league. At, you know, in the near future.
2: Yeah, I think it's a master stroke. I really do. I just think it's uh, you know something that they're going to. Uh, I, th- I just think it's going to be a big hit. It hasn't gotten a lot of publicity. I just read it as sort of a matter of course. I of course get all the NFL news releases. And I read it, and it instantly jumped out at me. I've been trying to mention it and squeezing it into the show here for a couple of weeks, have not had the opportunity, but today I did. And, again, I just think that uh, people on the East Coast who've never done it before are going to love it. Uh, and so we shall see, but I just think it's going to be a huge hit Uh By the way, the one thing I, you know, just switching subjects back, away from the NFL, uh, Boston College, Syracuse. AP, you are a college historian, college sports historian. And I watched that game live. And my take on BC, and this is why I went to the Florida State game this year, BC may be the number one school, college of all time for pulling off these, like, epic upsets once every five years or so. Do you agree with that?
4: Yeah, they have a habit.
2: I mean, the football team, of course,
4: uh, upset Notre Dame down the, you know, many years ago, I think it was 93, they had that epic David game, Gordon. 41-38, where the... Yep. Um, the uh, David Gordon. David, right. I was just trying to figure that last name here. His dad owned the hockey team in Hartford, hit that kicky left footer to with no time, and then... I believe the B.C. women's basketball team had beaten Connecticut women through the years when they were number one. So it's not only in in football and men's basketball, but women's basketball as well. So you're right. They do have a a history. of Notre Dame had had a habit of upsetting teams through the years. But on the East Coast, it's Boston College.
2: Yeah, I think B.C. just owns that now. I I just think that, you know, this was so incredible. I mean, some of the stuff coming out of this game, like it's the first time it's happened since 1955, where a team with a losing record went in and beat number one on their home court. That doesn't even talk about the fact that number one was undefeated. I believe BC also has, and this this is the one that I really loved, BC has the worst record ever of any team in the history of college basketball to beat a number one on their home court. I mean, that's remarkable.
4: (laughs) That is, I mean... And all the Syracuse fan. that's a bitter pill to swallow.
2: Yes, yes. It was, uh, y- you know, it was just great, great theater uh, to watch. Uh, you know, BC played Inspired. They were down, I think, maybe 13 in the second half. Of course, what you always need are, are, are three-pointers. And then, you know, they uh, they basically started, they got hot. They started hitting three-pointers. Yeah. And they slowed the game down, and they almost slowed it down too much. I mean, there, there was a point where you just thought, like, uh, they're, they're going to lose their chance for an upset because they're, they're just, they at one point almost ground to a halt where they just, like, you know, were just running out the clock, BC, using as much clock as possible with a 45 second clock, and then just throwing up a ridiculous three that wasn't even close to going in, but again, they had wasted 45 seconds. So there was some benefit, but sure enough, Syracuse, as a good undefeated number one team would be, tied them, went to overtime, and then BC uh, again, you know, continued to hit, continued to hit big shots. So it was really uh, it was great theater, as enjoyable a game as you could ever watch, especially sitting here in Boston watching it.
4: Yeah, I'm sure it's a classic game for all the BC fans, and you know that's a substantial lead at 13 when you're you're only scoring in the neighborhood of 60 points. To um, you know, to give up that lead and then and then go to overtime and then win it—that's pretty impressive.
2: It well, really is. You know, um, it's it's really nothing short of amazing. So, you know, good for BC and now Syracuse. I mean, uh, they're facing Duke tomorrow night. I watched some of that Duke North Carolina game last night, and it was uh, pretty wild. Uh, Interesting in that, you know, when North Carolina won and they just completely took over the last five minutes of the game. But like, you know, and North Carolina's unranked, Duke's number five. But the students stormed the court in the Dean Dome and that was just kind of weird. Yes, it was. Given that they're, that would be like the Alabama, you know, <laughs> student body, you know, storming the field if they after they won like. After they won an Auburn game, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, right. You know, which they just wouldn't do because they expect to win in North Carolina. No, yeah, they, so they it's normally
4: not the custom. So for the North Carolina fans to storm the court, I think
2: it elevates Duke. Bingo. Well said, AP. That's it. That's it. I, I, was, I was surprised. It's just like I don't care that North Carolina is unranked and I don't care that, you know, Duke is number five. North Carolina, it's the best rivalry in college basketball. I don't think anyone would dispute that. And North Carolina should have every reason to expect to win that game. No matter for throw the rankings out, they don't matter at all. No. And and for that to see them storm the court. Plus, it wasn't like a, a you know a stunning last second ending. I mean, North Carolina took over the game and won comfortably in the end by like eight points so it wasn't some you know emotional ending that they just couldn't help themselves because it was yeah
4: yeah, i i guess john it's a function of the television i guess that people want to be on and closely involved in the in the
2: victory so yeah that seems to be the the fashionable thing to do <clears throat> right, and I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, obviously anytime North Carolina is unranked, it means they haven't had a great season. So there hasn't been a lot to celebrate, and I think it might have just been a lot of pent-up, you know, uh, celebration waiting to happen that hasn't had a chance to burst this year and that just burst last night because it's been a down year for the Tar Heels. What else can you say for their, yeah. For their standards?
4: Yeah, it sure has, and that, that contributed as well, John, that pent-up, frustration, I'm sure. So, you know, to be your your number one rival on on a big basketball evening on ESPN, I'm, I'm sure that played into the whole um, storming
2: of the court. Correct. Plus, it was, you know, this is a game, of course, that was delayed a week by the snowstorm in the Carolinas last week. So, anyway, uh, why don't we take our final break, AP? you have a few more topics to cover on the other side.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iRadioBlog.com. Your internet
3: flagship station for sports.
2: Voice America Sports.
3: You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org.
0: No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined... Still, half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchOfDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies.
0: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: course America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, AP Studdham of Bama Magazine. Uh, before I begin, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the hockey gold medal game on Sunday. It will be Sweden versus the winner of the USA Canada hockey game, which is currently fourteen minutes left in the third period. Canada is up one to nothing. Fast-moving game, to put it mildly. So, AP. Uh, Thank you again for all your previous great perspective, as always. And uh, football is never far from the news, and we have the combine getting underway in Indianapolis this week. What do you think about uh, everything going on out there? Yeah, there's
4: always big question marks, John, that that uh, people try to answer during those few days. Uh, of course, Johnny Manziel. I guess they measured him to be slightly under six feet, and but. As I, I guess I've told many people since the Super Bowl occurred that if a Russell Wilson can win at around five foot eleven, five ten and a half, I think all bets are off in looking for any prototype quarterback. You're just looking for people that can win and believe what your eyes are seeing, and if, you know the measurements are important for some positions possibly, but quarterback's not one of them.
2: Yes, well, I've never heard so much discussion as I heard. Uh, in the last 24 hours, about a quarter of an inch, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what uh, what Johnny Manziel is shy of. <laughs> um, but but yeah, he's uh, yeah, I mean, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about Johnny Manziel for a long time, uh, pretty much as long as we've been doing the show together. Yeah, I like the guy at the end. I mean, I, there's periods I got kind of sick of him and, you know, didn't didn't like his act, as it were. But, boy, if I'm Bill O'Brien, I'm taking him. I don't know how else to say it unless he just, you know, comes across as a complete jerk in the interview. But there's a lot of supporters, a lot of detractors. But given he's from Texas, uh, I would take him. And given that, most importantly, Bill O'Brien is a quarterback guru a la Tom Brady. Um, when he coached the Patriots. So, I don't know. The kid has flair. Like you and I, the kid gets people talking about him. There's no ignoring him. And I think that's what you want in a number one draft pick.
4: Yeah, John, I'm all
2: in agreement with taking
4: him as the number one selection. If I'm Bill O'Brien, on one stipulation, do I believe he is a good passer? Because you can't run around forever at that position. The players are too fast. And with too much speed and, uh, you know, I'm going to have to be sold on his passing ability. If if that is up to to par, in my judgment, I would certainly draft him number one because I don't take any stock and um, his height and being that, that's going to be detrimental to his career.
2: Interesting. Interesting perspective. Um, Yeah, I mean, one of the things I heard, uh, just this morning was that he has these, you know, ab- you know, above average size hands. And, of course, you know, that's a huge advantage. And I always find this stuff rather fascinating. And I say that because, you know, that's the same with uh, Rajan Rondo with the Celtics. He has the hands of, like, this f- that a seven-footer <laughs> would have, which, of course, enables him to do his magic and, uh, you know, who has more magic in in the world of football than Johnny Manziel. So it sounds like I had never heard this before and it fascinated me uh, to hear about the size of his hands, which is, again, a tremendous advantage if you're a point guard or a quarterback.
4: I I believe that in that axiom, John, I really do. I mean, Joe Namath had huge hands and it certainly helped him in his throwing. And I, I believe that about Johnny Manziel as well. And, and, uh, in that position, I'd I would, I'd hesitate to draft someone with small hands, and you're playing in cold weather, and and that becomes a factor, uh, working negatively against your team.
2: Correct, correct. Well, it's you know, it's not it's not the thing you're going to see at the top of the list for, you know, personal statistics, shall we say, <laughs> size of hands. But you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out it's important. And I've, I've just have seen it on display now for a few years with, you know, Rondo, who has, as I've said often on this show, he does things that I've never seen before, seen done before in a basketball court, period. And the reason is totally his hands. That is his <laughs> number one attribute as a basketball player. And, and again, you know, I'm not saying he's a best point guard or anything like that, but he is certainly worth the price of admission. And everything I'm saying is exactly what you would think about with Johnny Manziel. Uh,
4: John, it's an asset. It's not a liability for sure. And and I would strongly consider that in his favor uh, when when I'm thinking about drafting him.
2: Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's, again, I think the Texans need you know, some pizzazz, you know, and again, like Rondo, and I've never made the comparison. It's literally, I'm just thinking about it as we're talking. It's just, uh, again, worth the price of admission. Like, you know, Johnny Manziel, like Rondo, you you know, you'll pay some money to go watch him play because you might see something you've never seen before and are pretty guaranteed to see a, a handful at minimum of just, you know, Unusual, if not amazing, plays. You're going to be entertained, which is ultimately the pro. You know what you're looking for in, in sports. So, uh, yeah, I, I you know the, the the Texans need a kick. I mean, not that there's not interest in Houston in the football, obviously.
4: Yeah, I mean he'd be a natural selection, John, being from Texas, a hometown hero. Performed at A and M. I mean, he's been fabulous at every level of football. I and mean, in high school, he had Incredible numbers, and he just followed up with his first. I mean, the first year in football at A and M, he won the Adam Trophy. I mean, just it doesn't happen. You don't that just doesn't happen to by luck.
2: First freshman ever,
4: right? right. So I mean, it's it's it, he's he's been uh, spectacular.
2: Oh yeah, he has a pedigree that you know is unbelievable, and you know I, I think the Texans, given you know how they crashed and burned this past season. Uh, I mean, they went from, you know, really, it's hard to believe, but a mere whatever. Sixteen or so months ago, people had them the favorite to win the Super Bowl, period. <laughs> right. As recently as like November of 2012. Right, and Then right. they came to Foxborough, and ever since then, it's been downhill. There's no yeah. other way to say it.
4: Yeah, they went went down faster than a slalom skier in the Olympics, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and then, again, what did they lose? Their last 13 or 14 games in a row this year? I mean, we're we're talking epic claps. We're not talking anything normal here.
4: Epic. No, no. I I think that, I mean, Johnny Manziel would be a perfect gamble. I mean, and John, everyone's looking for a Super Bowl-type quarterback. Yes. And,
2: uh you know i I'd take that gamble with Johnny Manziel. I probably would i would i would uh the only other player you know to me in the conversation is just Davian and that you know if you you know you could take him and just say you know he's like the Steelers drafting mean Joe Green in nineteen sixty nine you're building your franchise around that guy, and he is the only other guy I think yeah. it's between those two if you're the yeah yeah he
4: no he's one John that i think i I'm not one to. Uh, put all my chips on the table with him
2: really attitude yeah. and injuries and all that
4: yeah i, I yeah. just i, I don 't like to see someone in college kind of backing off from yep performing uh to their best ability I it, it bothers me
2: there 's doubts it creates doubts
4: yeah, so but. I think you know i 'm not saying you wouldn 't draft him if of course he' out of the second round, which would be incredible you know be you know that would never happen, but I, I, in the first round, I don't know if I'm going to give him all that money, and maybe he's he's not feeling well that day, and he wants to count his money or something. I, I mean, I just get that feeling with him. I don't. Yep. I, I don't. I don't get that feeling. He
2: loves football. All right, AP. Well, thank you as always for your perspective, and thank you again for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.